Good morning. You're in the house of the Lord. Good morning. 
God gave us breath to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. Just if you want to have a seat for a second, I have a little announcement that I would like to make. Um, is there a Pastor David and his beautiful wife, Connie, here? If they would mind coming up front, just for a second. These are for you. This is from everyone. And here's some cards as well. Stay put. We just wanted to take this opportunity as a board, as staff, as church body, um, just to recognize you two for all of the marvelous, wonderful things that you have done since um, Pastor Phil left up to this point. Without you two, yes, yes. Without, without their dedication to making sure that this church moves forward and to stay afoot and to keep momentum momentum is what Pastor David always told us. We've got to keep the momentum going. Without that perseverance, who knows where we would be? All I know, all I know is that we put God first, and God put this man and this woman in place to guide us along. So, with that being said, this is going to be Pastor David's official, I guess, last week of preaching, I guess-ish. He, he'll probably be back. He'll be around. He's not, like, leaving. He's not leaving. But, right, right. But um, we just, again, we just wanted to take this opportunity, again, to thank you for everything that you've done. We appreciate wholeheartedly what you've done. We love you both. And, and God bless you. God bless you. Son and 
Some of you may not have heard that. I said, I'd like to testify. I went and got surgery done a couple weeks ago on my left eye. I had, I think they said seven cataracts on my eye. So we prayed at the altar. And I went back last week. And he said, I got 20, 25 fish in one week. He was surprised. He said, thank you.
glory. Well, amen. You know, I didn't know that she was going to testify about that when I picked that song, but it's, uh, it's really powerful, you know, that we sing that song, and we sing it a lot, and we talk about how powerful God is, but when you get to hear how powerful our God still is, he still does miracles. It, it is the mighty name of Jesus. And it's so encouraging this morning to know that. You know what? We don't just put people up here at the altars for show. We don't just sing for show. We don't just pray because we like to see hot air move. But we, we bring people to the altars week after week after week for miracles and for the power of God. And this morning, I'm grateful to be a part of a church that believes in those miracles and seeks the face of God. So thank you for sharing that. That's so powerful. You may be seated. Thank you. Welcome, and thank you for joining us today at Capital City Church. Please check out our bulletin and fill out the connection card inside with your contact information, prayer requests and praises, and then drop it in the offering bucket as the ushers are going by later. Congrats to everyone who completed Growth Track 101 this past Sunday. If you missed out, please see Pastor David. Growth Track Session 2 is in the chapel today, right after the service. I've heard of churches that didn't like announcement videos, but uh, uh, this might be taking it just a little too far. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm sure whatever Scott and Tara were saying, uh, it's just uh, vitally, vitally important. Now, I just want to uh, correct one little thing there. Uh, if you did not uh, complete Growth Tracks 101, we, we really want to talk to you. We hope to take in new members uh, the first Sunday that Pastor Jonathan is going to be here. And that will be uh, June 5th. Uh, next week, the guy who was just talking over here, Eric, who just got his uh, local license to preach, is going to be preaching for us. Won't that be a great thing? <clears throat> Excuse me. Wow, this is a bad day. And he's going to be preaching next week, and then Pastor Jonathan will be here on the first Sunday of June, and we're going to have a big reception. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be fun. It's going to be first Sunday, and uh, first Sunday will really be first Sunday as our first Sunday of our new pastor comes, and uh, just know it's going to be a great, great day. And then I want to mention tonight about the worship concert 
please, please, all of you come. I tell you what, Kayla Wolf and Cassie Wolf and others have been working overtime and we're trying to raise money for a Capital University student uh, that has cancer. And uh, if you would come tonight, you can actually also uh, buy baked goods and we're going to have all kinds of things and we're going to have worship and we're going to have a celebration and Connie and I are going to be here and we're going to celebrate and you're going to celebrate me out and celebrate... <laughs> Oh, that I'm not not that far, but 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 come and celebrate with us tonight. Let's make this a wonderful, wonderful night, and come and and uh, these last uh, seven months. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it, uh, but these last seven months uh, have been wonderful, and uh, I I will say this again, but I believe the best is yet to come. So therefore. Um, please be a part of this. Growth Tracks today is going to be right here in the sanctuary. We're going to move the piano, and so we're going to set up a few tables here uh, so we'll have a little more room. So if you're going to take Growth Tracks today, we'll just be right up here, and there'll be tables and chairs for you. So we invite you to come. If you have never done and experienced and discovered your spiritual gifts... You need to come to Growth Tracks today. Well, I didn't come last week. If you want to come this week and discover your spiritual gifts, this is the absolute foundation and bedrock of how we do ministry here. And so we want you uh, to come, and we want you uh, to discover your gifts. It's going to be right here. We will feed you. And uh, Miss Sandy uh, and Miss Kim, it's pizza today, right? I said last week we were having pizza, and they said, what do you mean pizza? We're having turkey rolls. And I, <laughs> I said, I thought we were having pizza. So we really want you to come and to be a part of this, and uh, I, I would love for uh, us to be able to bring in uh, 20 or so members. I don't know that we'll get that, but that's what I'm praying for, uh, 20 or so members when Pastor Jonathan comes in the first Sunday that he's here. Wouldn't that be a great thing? And so help us to make this come to pass. Well, I had someone say something to me today. I have had it said in certain parts of a sermon, but I've never had this ever said to me that I know of. They said, we need to turn you up in the volume. I said, you're kidding me. And uh, I mean, I am known as the loud mouth of all loud mouths. And uh, I have never, ever been asked. My wife sits beside me every Sunday and hits me like this and says, don't sing so loud. Don't sing so loud. <laughs> she does every Sunday. I mean, don't sing so loud. Don't sing so loud. People think you're crazy. Don't sing so loud. <laughs> and, and, and so I just try to quietly... <laughs> but anyway, so Tom, you can turn me up. I think it's when I go down in my voice is when you can't hear. Uh, how many people can hear me right now? How many people can't hear me right now? If you put up your hand, I was going to say there's something fishy in this. And so <laughs> if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to uh, the book of Acts chapter 12. And we're going to get there in a few minutes, but I want to say a few things before we get there. Acts chapter 12, and we're going to begin our reading in verse 24. 
Acts chapter 12 and beginning our reading in verse 24. Well, today, as you've kind of heard, Connie and I complete our, the assignment that was given to me uh, as the interim pastor of Cap City uh, by the district superintendent and by the board of trustees and, and the church board here. And I'm, I'm saying we're completing an assignment because it is not my plan that I'm going to be gone. And uh, I believe that God wants to make this church a great church. And I'm going to talk to you about this all this morning. But we do complete this assignment. And uh, when the board and the district superintendent ask me to serve and ask my wife to serve along with me, I knew there were three things that we had to focus on. When I realized that Pastor Phil and Crystal and Daniel and Caitlin and Aiden and, and Ethan and, and different people were, were going to be not with us, uh, I began to realize in my heart that we had to begin to do some things. So the first goal that the Lord put on my heart was, and you've heard Scott and others mention it, we needed to maintain the momentum of ministries that had been started during the merger of the two churches. We just started. And I felt that God was saying to me, keep the, keep the, the momentum going. Don't let the momentum fall. Don't let the spirit, don't let discouragement settle in. Let God work. And I just want to say that I knew that in order to do that, we were going to have to bring some people in. And I just want to say a thank you to these people and uh, Tom is just headed back there now. Tom and Deb McKay, would you stand? And uh, let's just give them a hand. Without Tom and Deb, <clears throat> this would have been a very, very difficult task. And then Eric and Kayla, where are you? They may be getting ready for tonight. I don't know, somewhere. But anyway, uh, there's Eric back there and, and wherever Kayla is. Uh, thank God for them. Without them, I don't know what we would have done. And then uh, Olivia, uh, Angie Ordanos, uh, who uh, it w just has gone now, and her uh, boyfriend, Alan Cerna. And then Olivia Dement, who was with us and helped us, especially in the fall, and uh, helped us. And some of you may or may not know, she was just engaged uh, to the guy uh, that she used to sing with here. And uh, then uh, we had Katie Rivera and Rose Carroll. Rose, where are you? Would you stand? And you have been such a wonderful person for us. And uh, I, I thank God for you, Rose. And she brings joy into our lives. And Ed and Nan Davis. Ed, where are you? At, uh, both of you stand. They're on our staff. I just want to say thank you, Ed and Nan, uh, for what all you've done. I appreciate it so much. And Carolyn Dozier, I think you're back in the back here. Let's give her a hand. Zach Hassel, who is in Florida, and Terrell Samuels, who is not here today, uh, but they have all come in, and they have helped us remarkably, and uh, I just want to say thank you to every one of them. And then the second goal that I had was to walk with you through the transition. 
And it was rather sudden when Pastor Phil left. I believe it was of the Lord. Uh, in fact, now, instead of just one church being strong, uh, the West Jefferson Church is strong where Pastor Farron is. The Washington Courthouse strong, is strong where Pastor Phil is. And this church is strong where we are. And so uh, in one move, there were three churches that were helped. Uh, but uh, I felt like as we walked through that transition, it could have been difficult and I just want to say, I'd like everybody who serves on the board, would you stand? If you're on the board, just stand. And just for a moment, I want to give you a, a word of appreciation. And just look around and see these board members. And, and yeah, if you're on the board, stand up wherever you are. Stand up wherever you are. And, uh, and I just want to say, I've never worked with a finer board than I'm working with now. You may be seated. And uh, I don't know if you noticed the flowers uh, and the beds when you came in today. I've never seen them look any better than they look right now. And uh, Hank and different ones and, and uh, Peggy Forby and others are, are working with that. And I just want to say to the board, thank you. And then how could we ever say thank you without saying thank you to the ladies. So Kim and Sandy, would you stand? And anyone who works on your team, I mean you guys, anyone who works with Kim and Sandy and fixing food and, and doing all the things they do, yes, I tell you what, um, God bless you. And uh, we couldn't have church without you. And, uh, and then the care team, Miss Judy. Uh, I think you're in the back. I think I can see you back there in the dark. Uh, Miss Judy and your care team, would anybody who's on the care team, uh, would you just stand? We would like to recognize you. These, these people have kept in touch with our shut-ins and kept in touch with people, and uh, it has just been a marvelous thing. And then we won't have them in here because they're over there, uh, you know, and, and I've learned to appreciate these people, but our children's ministry. And uh, they have kept children over there. I never will forget one year. Uh, and children uh, can be a, a little challenge. And my wife was helping at Urbana Church. And we had one guy whose name was Howard. And uh, Howard was as ornery as his name sounded. And I mean, we, he was just almost, I could tell you a lot of stories about Howard. But nevertheless, with Howard, um, one day I came over to the church and Connie was crying. And I said, well, why are you crying? And she said, I was over there with Howard and I'm afraid he's going to tie me up and leave me over there. <laughs> I said, well, Connie... I know you were gone, especially at dinner time. Well, that was not the right thing to say. And uh, so, but taking care of children sometimes can, can really be a challenge. It, it really can. And I thank God for the people who have been there and have helped us. And, and Doris Petit, who did it for so many years, uh, has just had surgery. And uh, so, Miss Doris, if you're watching today online, thank you for all that you have done for us. And then the worship team. Anybody who has served, uh, even in rotation, on the worship team, just stand. And I don't think you realize how much work and how much time all of this takes you just come in and think it just happens, 
But I just want you to know, this is a wonderful, wonderful group of people. And then the tech team back there, um, you know, the only time tech people are ever noticed is when something doesn't work. And uh, when it works as it should, everybody thinks, isn't that wonderful? And uh, so Tom and, and, and Debbie and Mark and all of those who are back there, let's give them a hand and tell them we appreciate it. I also want to mention the security team. And I'm not going to have them stand for obvious reasons. And uh, they keep you safe. And they watch over. You hear about churches that are broken into or whatever. We've got a security team. Uh, you don't know who they are. You don't need to know who they are. But they know who they are. And they keep track and keep watch over all of the things of the church to keep you safe every Sunday. And I, I just appreciate that in a world that we live in uh, that, that God has given us this. So let's give the security team a hand. And then the finance team, they have worked, I think, and that would be Scott. I don't know if Scott's still in here, um, but we've got Scott and we've got Malcolm. Malcolm, are you in here today? I think, yes, there you are back there. And uh, Carolyn, uh, and they have kept the church. And I just want you to know the state of the church is good. We're not, we're not. Uh, rolling over and over and over in money. I'm not saying that because I know that uh, uh, they don't want me to say you don't need to give. That's not true. But I just want you to know that as we make this transition, the state of the finances of the church is good. And we can say thank God for that today. And then our trustees who have taken such beautiful care of our facility and uh, I thank God for Ed and the whole trustee team. The trustees, would you stand? If you're a trustee, just stand for just a moment. I think we have several of them in here, or maybe they're gone. And uh, thank you, trustees. Thank you so, so, so much. And then I just want to thank you as the church family. You have loved Connie and I. You have supported us. You have, have worked with us. And really, I just want to say thank you. This has been one of the highest joys of our lives, and uh, we just appreciate uh, just the joy of working with you. And unless something changes that we don't know, and, and I know of nothing, this will be our church. And uh, so we will be with you. And so we're not running off or abandoning you. Uh, and so... This will be our church. And the third goal was to prepare the church for the new pastor. And on June the 1st, our new pastor will arrive, Pastor Jonathan Barker. And on June 1st, we will begin a new chapter in the life of Cap City. I honestly believe the best is yet to come. And Connie and I will be standing with you and cheering you on and helping in any way that we can help. And I believe that, we believe that God wants to make this church truly a great church. So that's what we are doing. And uh, we have learned to love you as friends and respect you deeply as co-workers. And so we just all say, and let's give thank you and thank you to God and give him a great praise offering for all that God is.
This morning, I want to complete, and you notice I'm saying I'm not leaving. I'm just completing an assignment. Uh, this morning, I want to complete my assignment by completing the series that I started back in the beginning of May. And the title of this series was The Portrait and is The Portrait of a Great Church. And I want you to know that I believe with all my heart that God wants this church to be a great church. And my heart is that a great church, as we've talked about it in the first three Sundays, a great church is a spirit-filled church. A great church understands the role of women uh, in the church. We talked about it on Mother's Day. And then a great church experiences a holy fellowship. Today, I want to tell you, I want to speak to you from my heart that today a great church touches the world. A great church touches the world. And when we understand this, that the day that the church was born on the day of Pentecost and the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to the church. And because of the Holy Spirit, the church was literally set on fire to reach the world for Christ. The church began to preach the gospel in Jerusalem. And, they, and there was a, a phrase in the book of Acts that says that Jerusalem, that the church filled the city of Jerusalem with their doctrine. And I thought, oh, wouldn't that be something if someone could say about Columbus, Ohio, we have filled the church, we have filled the city of Columbus with the truth of the gospel, and may that be, may that be. But then something began to happen in the early church that they began to feel was a terrible thing. And it was a terrible thing. Let me just tell you, God doesn't cause terrible things. But God does use terrible things. And here's what happened in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, persecution broke out. And the Romans and the Jews began to persecute the Christians, began to put them in jail, began to put them to death. And so something began to happen. These Christians began to scatter outside of Jerusalem. The question becomes, would they have ever gone beyond Jerusalem had it not been for the persecution? And the answer is probably not. Because they were comfortable. And they were just getting comfortable. And God always has to lead us to the point of being uncomfortable to be able to see his perfect will. You didn't hear that. Let me say this again. God always has to lead us to the point to where we are uncomfortable to be able to do what God wants us to do. And so they were uncomfortable and they began to scatter. But something amazing started to happen. As they scattered, they began to go from Jerusalem into all the Roman world at that time. They began to go into every nation. They went to the ends of the earth. Some went to India. Some went to Great Britain. Some went to Africa. Some went to the Middle East. Some went to all kinds of places. 
But everywhere they went, everywhere, they preached the gospel of Christ. Everywhere they went, they established little communities of church. And while the persecutors did not understand what they were doing was literally causing the church of Jesus Christ to literally blossom and grow around the world, God used what was meant for evil, and he used it for good. And one of the, one of the remarkable churches and one of the remarkable things, and when Pastor Phil asked me to come and help here, I told him, I said, Phil, I've got a dream. I just want to help you. I don't, you know, I didn't expect what happened here. But I want to help you. I want to see this church become like the church at Antioch. And he said, okay. And so one of the most remarkable churches that were planted out of Jerusalem was the church in Antioch. It was a church that was blessed with great leaders. In just a minute, we're going to read about those leaders. It was a church that had a heart for the world. They didn't want to just settle down and us four and no more. It was a church that was willing to be obedient to the Lord. And so would you just, it's going to be up on the screen, I believe. And if you would just read with me, and we're going to start actually in uh, Acts chapter 12, and the last verse, uh, last, last two verses of the book of Acts chapter 12, 24 and 25. People were going from Jerusalem, and yet as they went, the, the preaching of the gospel was taking place. And here's what the word says. Meanwhile, while all the persecution was going on, while all the darkness was going on, while all the hard things were going on, meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned. Returned where? They returned to Antioch, because that was their home church. And that was where they were based, and that was their home church. And, and they just went out on mission excursions, and then they'd come home to Antioch. So they returned to Antioch, taking John Mark with them. And then in 13.1, I want you to notice this was not a one-man deal. This was not a one-horse pony or a one-horse show. They had many leaders and teachers. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were, first of all, Barnabas. Barnabas is the one who actually had befriended the apostle Paul. And when you see it at this point, the more prominent of the two leaders of Paul and Barnabas was Barnabas. But he was a teacher there at Antioch. And, and the Simeon 
called in the New Testament, or in the old uh, King James, it says Niger, uh, which means called the black man, which I thought, isn't this wonderful? We don't have to talk about integrating churches today. The early church was already integrated. They already understood that we bring everybody in the world. And so when we don't do that, we're losing the sight of the, of the New Testament church. So they had Niger. Simeon called Niger, Lucius from Cyrene, and Manan. You've never heard of these names. Let me, let me tell you who this is. He was a childhood companion of King Herod Antipas. I mean, he was a friend of the king. And now here he was in Antioch preaching. And then a little-known guy at that time whose name was Saul, who would later become Paul, and who later would become the one who wrote most of the New Testament. So all these people, all these leaders, I don't know who the main leader was. I'm sure one of them was. Uh, perhaps it was Barnabas. I don't know. But they were all together, and there were different voices and different people and different leaders and here's what the Bible says. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. And they were sent out to come back. They were sent out to come back. They were sent out to come back. And you begin to get a picture here of what the New Testament church looked like. Well, I don't want to hold you all morning, so I better just get to it. A great church, first of all, touches the world by witnessing to the unbelieving world with power. A great church touches the world. And you look back there in, in Acts chapter 12 and you read all the way through in the early parts of Acts. The Bible says the place was shaken where they were praying and they all went out to speak the word of God with boldness and they spoke the word of God with boldness and they spoke the word of God with power. They spoke the word of God unapologetically and people heard and responded. None of this stuff like kind of what we do. There might be somebody watching me. Father, thank you for food, amen. If you didn't hear me, that was Father. Thank you for my food, amen. Anyway, thank you for the food, amen. Don't want anybody to know. Um, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. Do you go to that church down there? Has Jesus done anything in your life? Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to talk about that. No. A great church, and you are a great church. Let the power of the Holy Spirit 
fill your heart and fill your mind until when they say, are you a Christian? Yes, ma'am, I am. And it's been the most wonderful thing that ever happened to me in my life. God has forgiven me. It's the most wonderful thing. Would you like to know him? Or do you go to that church down there on Rathma? Yes, I do. And I tell you what, our pastor now and then and our other pastors are all the greatest. You're going to love them and our people are the best. Are you one of those that really believes in trying to keep the Ten Commandments and all that stuff? I sure am. And it's the best way I know to live. A, an, a great church touches the world with power and witnessing. And let me just run through this real quick. And I want you to know as you read from Acts 12 and read on into the rest of the book of Acts, here's what a great church can do. A great church understands that what they have to give to the world is Jesus. Yes, if we're going to give them clothes, give them clothes, but give it in Jesus' name. If we're going to give them a cup of water, amen, give it in Jesus' name. If we're going to give them some kind of a thing, do it in Jesus' name. What we have to give to the world is not a club. What we have to give to the world is the Lord Jesus who makes the difference in our lives, in our hearts, in our families. That's what we have to give. Don't ever misunderstand that. A great church practice, preaches a clear and uncompromising message. We're not going to just compromise it. Well, I don't like you saying that. Well, if this is what the Word says, this is what it is. Well, we're going to put you in jail if you say that. God bless you. You do what you have to do. This is what the Word of God says. We are not going to water it down. We're not going to compromise it. We're not going to cut it out. This is the Word of God. That's what a great church does. A great church, understand this, even though you're a great church, you will experience satanic opposition. The devil is not going to leave you alone and don't think you should. There's going to come spiritual opposition against you, against a great church. Don't be afraid of that. Stand up in Jesus' name and say, in Jesus' name, I command you to be gone because there's victory in Christ. A great church will demand integrity of one another. You say, well, what do you mean by that? You remember Ananias and Sapphira that conspired to lie to God? Of all the things that people could do, lying to God, and they thought they'd get away with it. Well, you know, when they walked in, they walked in alive and they were carried out dead because God struck them dead right in that place. And an awe settled over the church and they said, we better be honest with each other. We, I mean, we better be saying things that we know are true and we better be men and women of integrity. That's what a great church does. A great church is not exempt from problems. You look at the early church. All these things were going on and great things were happening. And yet... <laughs> Verse 6 and 7, uh, the Hebrew widows were murmuring against the Grecian widows. And you think, what is wrong with you? The world is being turned upside down. Well, I'm not getting enough, and they're getting too much. And you're going to have problems. You got problems. I got problems. We all got problems. John Maxwell used to say, all of us have problems. You just have to kind of choose which kind of problems you want. Do you want problems that come from just doing nothing? Or do you want problems that come by trying to reach the world? 
and there's a lot of truth in it, you're, you're going to have problems. Thank God for that. Problems keep you alive. Problem keeps the challenge going. Problems begin to think, well, we got to take care of this. Don't live for a promise, problem-free life, even in your own life or in a church. You will have problems. Understands the importance of lay ministry. How did they resolve that problem? The apostles said, it's not right that we leave the preaching of the word and the ministry of prayer. We're going to appoint some lay people that will overdo this. And you lay folks have such a marvelous ministry that can keep the men and women of God doing what they do and reaching out uh, to people. They understand the importance of lay ministry. They experience great seasons of revival. I'm believing God that the Holy Spirit is going to come and sweep over us and sweep through us and give us a season of revival. The great church witnesses great conversions. When Paul was converted, it was news of the day. It would be like the, 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 the leader of the Senate or the leader of the House of Representatives or the President or somebody falling on his knees and coming out and saying, I've been wrong all this time. I need to know, want you to know that Jesus Christ is the only way. Wow, I'm praying for that. I'm praying a, a church is free from prejudice, a great church. We don't have prejudice against the black, the browns, the reds, the whites, whatever. It's free from all of that. We are all in Christ. A great church understands that we are saved by grace. A great church understands it's not always successful. He said, what do you mean? Paul, the greatest apostle in all of the book of Acts, went to the city of Athens, and they began to debate the, those people who, were, or, who asked him, uh, what does this vain babbler have to say? And Paul began to try to preach him the gospel and they said oh we'll hear from you later not everything you're going to do you do is going to work that's no reason to stop that's no reason to quit that's no reason to throw up oh i knew we we're going to do no okay like thomas edison they asked him did you ever get discouraged when you were trying to invent a light bulb it took you i forget how many thousands of failures he said no I knew a thousand ways it wasn't going to work. And so that's what you have to understand. When it doesn't work, you just say, okay, that's, that's something that doesn't work. We'll do something else. A great church will experience spiritual warfare. I wish I could tell you you could just sail to heaven on flowery beds of ease, but it's not going to be that way. There is spiritual battle. There is spiritual warfare in your life and in your family. We're living in a day of darkness, and there's going to be spiritual warfare. It will demonstrate courage in the time of testing. We need men and women who will stand up for what is right and be courageous. We need that today. Be that kind of person to stand up. A great church declares the same message to all when Paul was preaching to Herod and Tippus and to Felix, the ruling Roman, uh, Roman rulers of that day. His message was not any different than when he was preaching to the people down by the riverbank. And he was saying this, we all have sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. God loves us, and you've got to repent of your sins and receive Christ. And I, we preach the same message to all. And then lastly, it's a church that is devoted to building up the kingdom of God everywhere. Not just here. Everywhere. 
and I've talked to your new incoming pastor, and I just want you to know that's what I believe is in his heart. That's what I believe that he wants to see us, and that's what I want to see, and that's what many of you want to see this church become literally a center where we can touch Columbus and way, way, way beyond. It can happen. God wants it to happen, and it will happen as we trust him. All right. Secondly, a great church touches the world by being led by leaders who are led by the Holy Spirit. A great church touches the world by being led by leaders who are led by the Holy Spirit. Churches can set their direction in one of four ways. We can always do what we've always done. And we'll always get what we've always got. But we won't. The problem is, if we always do what we've always done, the world moves on. We will not get what we've got. And one day, if a church says, we're just going to do what we've always done, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to look at each other and say, where did everybody go? I want you to remember I'm telling you this. A church can also set its direction by what others are doing. Well, let's go find out what's going on in California and do what they do. Well, that doesn't work. I mean, it just doesn't work. Or, I know, we can do what we feel like doing. Most of the time, we don't feel like doing a whole lot, especially when you get to my age. You just have to go on, you know, and, and you just don't do it. Or... You can do what God calls you to do. And Antioch was led by leaders, not just a leader, but leaders who were led by the Holy Spirit to do what God called them to do, to do what others wouldn't do, and to do what is productive. We need to pray for our leaders that God will help us. Thirdly, as I just kind of hurry, we have baptism and have lots of things to do today. But the third is a great church touches the world through worship. And it's probably the hardest thing I'm ever going to talk to you about here today. But I want you to understand, when did the Holy Spirit say to Saul and Barnabas and to the leaders, I want you to separate them while they were worshiping. Worship is the thing that pleases God more than anything else in the world. Worship will reach the next generation. A man by the name of Louis Palau I heard him speak in Chicago to a very young, yuppie crowd. I was kind of old there, but I just kind of keep playing like I'm young. And uh, so, but and it was a very young, yuppie crowd. And he was trying to help them see how do we reach the next generation? And he said, those of us that are baby boomers or before, we learn to listen with our ears. That sounds right. 
and we learn to think logically in our mind, right? But the new generation, he said, listens with its eyes. Get that? Listens with its eyes and thinks with its feelings. And he said, my heart cries when I go into churches that are trying to teach, and thank God we don't do this, that I know of, um, trying to teach churches on flannel boards in a digital world. It's not going to happen. Well, I've always used a flannel board. Well, that, that's nice. But if we don't move forward, we're not going to reach the next generation. Now, I want you to pray for me, and you may love me or hate me after this, but I'm going to say this anyway. In that same yuppie meeting, Most everyone didn't have a tie on. Everybody was all casual. And Louis Palau, if you don't know that name, was the Billy Graham of South America. He was probably one of the very few 60-ish, maybe going on 70-ish men in that crowd back in the mid-90s. And all of us, and they were doing all kinds of things, and he got up in a suit and tie. I mean, he looked like he was going to Washington, D.C., I thought, well, that's interesting. And so after they introduced him, he said, thank you. And they had a band kind of like this, um, maybe a little more <laughs> rambunctious. This is how he started his sermon. Do you think I like that music? And I thought, oh, Lord. I mean, I could feel sweat bumps baking around on it. Oh, I thought we've just gone through this in the church I'm pastoring and every church I know has gone through this. And he said, I hate this music. I thought, oh, God, <laughs> what are we going to do? But then he went on. But I love the kids who do the music. And he said, I know if we're going to reach a new generation, we can't just do what we've always done. And I am making a personal sacrifice in my heart because I want to see new people, young people, come to faith. Now, I'm not saying we should never sing some of the grand old hymns. I'm not saying that. And I hope the young people will take this. Don't forget about the great old hymns that, that bless the church and, and stabilize the church and help the church. But, young, but older folks, don't get so set in your ways because you're going to wake up one day and you're going to look around. You'll win the battle. And you're going to wake up one day and look around and say, where did everybody go? And it's going to be too late then. Worship is that, in fact, Louis Palau went on to say, that worship is going to become the most powerful evangelism tool in the 21st century. There used to be stadiums packed out when Billy Graham came, and I was there in Columbus twice. Beautiful. 
They don't pack out those stadiums like that anymore. You know what packs out stadiums? Worship groups. And young people come. You say, I don't like it. I know I may not either. But I love the kids who are doing this. And we've got to learn worship. You say, Pastor, I didn't expect this today. If I'd have known this, I wouldn't have come. I know, I know. But I just want you to put it in your mind and pray about it. Great churches also touch the world through prayer. If you've ever been to the Brooklyn Tabernacle, oh my. If you have ever been there on a Tuesday night, when they start filling up that place and over 6,000 people come to a Tuesday night prayer meeting and they come from work on subways, I don't think they even eat till they get out of church. They come and sit there, 6,000 people, and every Tuesday night, Pastor Jim Cimbala says, I may be gone on Sunday, but I'll never miss Tuesday. I'll never miss Tuesday. I am committed to Tuesday unless I am sick or it is completely unavoidable. I will miss everything else. And to listen to them pray, you say, well, why is that important? Because the church was down to like six and seven people. And Jim Cimbala went down to Florida. He was just about ready to give up. And he got out on a boat and he, just, and he was doing some fishing. And the Lord said to him, Jim Cimbala, if you will pray... If you will really pray and build your church on prayer, you'll never have an auditorium big enough to hold the crowds, and you'll never have a need big enough that I won't supply. And this church now runs somewhere around 20,000. I don't know that we'll ever get to that. I'm not saying that we should. But I'm just telling you, a great church touches the world through prayer. And finally, a great church touches the world by sending people out from the church who will return. And I see Judy Kroom sitting back there. We've done that to a degree with Judy. Judy, would you just stand? I'd just like for you to stand. I know it's embarrassing you, but I, I just want you to stand. I want us to give appreciation to Judy Kroom. And we have sent her to Egypt. And she comes back. And we need to hear her, her testimony, her story. And I, I'm sorry it's taken this long, Judy. And we need to hear that. We really do. We sent our youth people to Arizona to minister to, to the Hispanics. And what a beautiful thing that was in our churches out there. I look around these, all these flags, and I know that all of you are not on all of those things, but that represents every nation where we've taken uh, a mission team all around the world. I pray that God will help you to be a church that is sending. There are times I want to be sent from here to go somewhere. Wednesday I had a great session with some people from Pakistan and they wanted to know, how do you know that God exists? And so I went through all that, and there was very little questions. And then as we got ready to leave, they said, we have one more question. I said, okay, uh, what about baptism? And so I started telling them, and then everybody had questions. I mean, everybody's got a different idea on baptism. And so we just listened through all of that. But your church, 
be a part of reaching into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. You say, how do I do it? You pray. How do I do it? I give. How do I do it? I go. And I want you to know this church is on the brink of greatness. I really believe that it will require some hard choices for some of us. It will. You can either do what you've always done, do what others are doing, do what you feel like doing, or do what God is calling you to do. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment and preparing for baptism, if those of you that are going to be baptized, I'd like for you to slip up here to the front. And I just want to pray over you. Father, these are wonderful people. They are people who love God. They are people who love you with all their heart and all their mind. There are people who want to honor you. There are people, Lord, who want to follow you in what you're saying. And so, Lord, I pray from the oldest to the youngest and from, uh, Lord, uh, the, the one who lives the farthest to the one who lives the closest, do a work. Let this church become a great center, not only for always doing what we've always done, but reaching out and doing things that even make us uncomfortable, but that we might be able to reach our city and our world for Christ. Bless our new pastor, Jonathan, and his dear wife, Allison, as they come. Bless the staff, those who stay, those who are going to still be with us. Lord, bless the board and, and bless this congregation. And I pray that you'll just keep your hand upon them and let no evil come. Keep them from sin and evil and harm. May they not cause pain or experience pain. And may it be a great commission church in an age of apostasy and in the age of the spirit of the Antichrist and in the age of apathy. In Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. I'd like to have our baptismal candidates, if you will go. And this is going to be a great day for us that uh, we're going to see, we're going to see what I talked about, and this church is becoming. I'll get this out of the way for you. Can everybody still see here? I don't want you to miss this. Can you see over here through where I am or you have to look through this? Sorry, I'm and me too. Check. We have two ladies today that are going to be baptized. And it's pretty significant. Um, one of them is being baptized, I believe... Chris helped me with this on her father's birthday. Is that right? That's what I thought, Chris's uh, mother. And so we, uh, Chris, thank you for being here today. 
they had a big race going on somewhere, and he said, I can't miss this today. So D. Evans is going to be baptized. But then we also have uh, Renee, our first Cambodian person. And I ha it's been amazing to watch as Renee has grown and developed. Now, if you've not been here before in a baptism, here's what I want you to know. When they come out of the water, I mean, we clap as hard as we can clap. We thank God for everything that is going on. We give God glory. And uh, perhaps uh, I can just lead you, or Aaron, Eric, you got something that you can lead us in or not? Okay, I'll just do Amazing Grace. We just sing it together without a lot of instruments, the way we used to do it, the right way. And so, but <laughs> nevertheless, we are going to cheer them and give God praise. There are others that I'm hoping and praying that down through the, uh, and some of you that are here right now, you may be thinking, I need to be baptized. The Holy Spirit's speaking to me. I want you to know, if you want to be baptized, you may. You say, well, I don't have any, any uh, dry clothes. That's all right. It's, it's warm outside. And uh, <laughs> it'll be all right. And if the Spirit of God says, I want you to be baptized, I want you to just be obedient. All right, so are we getting ready for the first one here? All right, who do we have? Can you hear me? Can, okay, thank you. Who do we have, who do we have first, Renee? Who's coming first? Me? Renee. This is Renee. Let's give her a yeah. I tell you what, this just thrills my soul. I mean, it just thrills my soul. Okay. Renee, you have anything you want to say? Okay, good deal. Yes, uh, Renee would like to say, my name is Knight. I was born in Cambodia, but moved to the United States as a refuge in 1982. Yeah, sure. When I became a U.S. citizen, I changed my name to the name Renee. Before I knew Jesus, I went through many things. I met bad people who took advantage of me. My life was full of suffering, heartache, and depression. But now I learned that Jesus could wash away my sin, <laughs> and he took my pain away. Also, I have learned now that I have a new family that I didn't have before, Praise the Lord. Amen. I have a question for you. You have received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord of your life. Yes. And because of your faith, I can just put your hands over here. Here, this one too. Okay. Because of because of your profession of faith, it is my privilege to baptize you today. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his resurrection and raised again in the likeness of
grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. T'was blind, but now I Today, this is Deanna Evans. Today is a special day for me. Today I'm giving myself to God, and also it is my father's birthday in heaven. God has been so good to me and my family. He gifted me with a wonderful son and two wonderful grandsons. I love you so much, God, and God bless everyone. Because of your profession of faith, it is my privilege and honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death and risen hope. God bless you, Dee. God bless you, Dee. ago, many years ago, I had, was being baptized and actually in a, in a free will Baptist church here in Columbus. And I, you've heard me tell this story, but some may not. My aunt was there who was a wonderful, godly woman. She was deathly afraid of water. I mean, deathly afraid of water. And when they talked to her about being baptized or talked to different ones, she just said, no, I'm not ready. I, I can't do this. That day, when a number of us were baptized, Connie's father, Reverend Klein, said, is there anybody here that just feels that God is speaking to them right now? And you just feel like if you walked out right now that you'll, you'll just miss a moment. 
and you're just saying, I just feel like I know I'm saved. I know God's forgiven me, but I've never been baptized. And if anybody wants to just get up out of your seat and come, we have towels that will wrap all around you. And you'll go home and think, oh, man, this is wonderful. You'll pay good money to do that in a swimming pool. And uh, you'll go home and be able to, but something will happen in your heart. Not saved again. You're not saved by baptism. You're saved by grace. But you bear witness to the world. You bear witness to the world that I am following Christ. And with our heads bowed for just a moment, if anybody just feels that way this morning and you just want to get up right where you are and just go back to the, to the room to my right, we'll wait for you. Lord, there's nothing magical in the water. There's nothing magical in getting in front of people and being baptized. And so why do we do it? For one reason and one reason only, you told us to do it. And Lord, in obedience to your command, we just want to be obedient. It's the first thing you told us after that we come to Christ, be baptized. The old life is buried under the water and the new life is resurrected as they come out of the water. Lord, if there is anyone here today that just feels that right now they need to be obedient. Help them right now in Jesus' name. Anybody like that? We're waiting for you. Oh, I'd be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. It's the best thing you can do. I don't want people to see me like that. Oh, but Jesus sees you in a whole new light. Anyone else? God bless you. Yes. I just wanted to share just briefly. You know, when we were doing the instruction for water baptism this morning, uh, the, the sister Renee said, said to me, she said, do you think you could hold me underwater for a little longer time? <laughs> I said, what do you think, 10 minutes or so? That, I said, just, just one simple dunk is it represents, you know, uh, being buried in the likeness of his death. And then coming up out of that water, you, you know, you just experience the joy of knowing the resurrected Christ lives in me. So come and do that. Whoever has not had that opportunity, if you want to do that today, we're here and we're, we're waiting for you. And you uh, can follow Christ in obedience to do that. Or we have it. We will have another time in a, in a future, soon, in a future days for that to happen. So thank you. Praise God. Oh, Renee said something to me the other day. She comes in on Tuesday when we have prayer, and she said, uh, "I just want God to wash all my sins away." I said, "Well, He has." But there is something about the washing of baptism that just simply says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe. Okay. 
Thank you for those of you that were online. Thank you for joining us today. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his favor be upon you in every way. Next week, Pastor Eric will be preaching for us. And so thank you. You'll see how to give to the church uh, actually online. I'd like to have our ushers come forward. We're going to wait on you for our morning tithes and offerings and put your connection card in there. If this is your first or second time visiting with us, if you'll come to where we are, we 